the water we drink, the food we eat, the very air that we breathe are threatened with pollution. It was a time when care for the environment came into its own. My father was a visionary. In the halls of government, Udall was its leading prophet. He was thinking way down the road. Frost was a poet who wanted to be a statesman. Stuart Udall served our country in ways beyond counting. And Stuart was a statesman who wanted to be a poet. He had the courage and had the vision to recruit young African Americans, even while we practice as a nation segregation. What we felt across Indian country was that Stuart was there with us. He was certainly the first person in the U.S. government that understood environmental justice issues fully. That was a clip from the documentary, Stuart Udall, The Politics of Beauty. Welcome to Words and Pictures, the show about the narrative arts. I'm your host, S.W. Conser, and today we're talking about Pacific Northwest history. We have a couple of documentarians with us. Our good friend Greg Hamilton will join us later in the show. But first, let's welcome an acclaimed author, filmmaker, and activist whose work includes Affluenza, The Motherhood Manifesto, and Stuart Udall, The Politics of Beauty. He's the executive director of Take Back Your Time and co-founder of the Happiness Initiative. John DeGraff, welcome to Words and Pictures. Thank you. Good to be on there down. Uh, I'm in Seattle, so now I'm in Portland. <laughs> so, John, I notice a theme running through many of your films as well as your books, the concept of, of overconsumption that our society has given into materialism and lost its soul. Yeah, I mean, I, I if I had to say the largest, uh, the biggest thing to describe my work is that it's all about quality of life in some way or another. And in my view, uh, for many reasons, our emphasis on materialism and uh, consumerism and all of those things uh, has negatively affected our quality of life. It's made us work too much, uh, stressed us out, we're, you know, uh, driven us to to anxiety and depression, and, and it's also uh, had a, a, a really deleterious effect on the environment. Not only in causing uh, global warming through fossil fuels and all those things, but the absolute waste and destruction of so many of our resources, which we need to somehow be able to pass on to future generations. So that's what it's about. It's saying that you know it should not be about having the grossest domestic product. Uh, in the world. It should be about having the highest quality of life in the world. Let's talk a little bit about Affluenza. Affluenza is a book and documentary series that includes Affluenza and Escape from Affluenza. I made Affluenza and Escape from Affluenza as films in 1997 and 98, and then got a request from a New York agent to turn it into a book. And that became my first book. So let's define the term. Now, did you coin the term affluenza or did you um, hear that? No, out the you can find uh, references to the term affluenza as early as 1815. You see it quite commonly used in the early 1920s following the big uh, influenza epidemic of 1918 and then the sudden uh, rise of, of the roaring 20s with its consumerism and all of that. So the term affluenza was used then, it was used in, in various other times. Now, what I can say that our film particularly, but our book also did, was to really popularize the term. So if you check at the references, and Google has a way where you can actually see how often 
the word is used in every year. And what you see is that there's this enormous rise in the use of the term following 1997 when our film came out. So I think we can take credit for popularizing the term, but certainly not for inventing it. There's, of course, the phrase, money doesn't bring you happiness, but there's still this persistent idea in this society of um, the more money, the more happiness. And you see the billionaires right now, they want to be the top of the heap. They are fighting to see who can be the richest person on earth. And um, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of benefit in their personal lives. Well, I, I don't think so. I mean, it's true that up to a point, money does bring more happiness. But the problem is at that point is at, at a point in which we feel secure and reasonably comfortable, not at a point in which we're gazillionaires and millionaires and have more, way more money than everybody else. At that point, uh, if there's any difference, it's so minor that in no way does it justify the cost to the earth, the cost to other people, and everything that, that comes from amassing great wealth. So I think that's what we need to, we can't claim that being poverty stricken, especially in a society like ours, where rents and you know, I know you know that in Portland and things like that, where things are so expensive, basic needs are so expensive. We can't certainly can't claim that poverty makes us happy. It doesn't. But what makes us happy is a number of things. One is a certain basic level of security that we have and feeling that we have a modest income that's sustainable and allows us to f feed and clothe, ha uh, house ourselves. Uh, and then after that, it's a lot of other things, especially social relationships and connections with other people. Uh, you know, friendship is, is big. Health is, is important. And I would argue our access to nature and to beauty are um, very big on that whole uh, notion of happiness. In fact, there are studies done that show that in a scale of, of one to 10, with one being higher, um, it living in a place that you feel is beautiful or being in a place that you feel is beautiful can add two points out of 10 to how you're feeling about, about your quality of life and, and about your happiness. So that's very significant. It ranks right up there with social connection and so forth. Well, I'd like to talk about your latest documentary. It's called Stuart Udall, The Politics of Beauty. And the profile is about a fellow who may be the most effective American environmentalist that most Americans have never heard of. Uh, tell <laughs> us about uh, tell us about Stuart Udall. Well, Stuart Udall was the Secretary of the Interior under Presidents Kennedy and Johnson, serving from 1961 to 1969. During that period, he added more units to the national park system, national wildlife refuges, national monuments, national seashores and lakeshores, national parks, than uh, any other previous interior secretary or, or interior secretary since. He also got us such things as the Wilderness Act and various protections on our environment, including Clean Air and Water Acts, Pesticide uh, Reduction Act, Mining Reclamation. Um, he was the leader behind a couple of really important acts, both of which affect the state of Oregon, the Wild and Scenic Rivers Act, which protects wild rivers from dams and other development. Now, Oregon State 
has about 20% of all the uh, federally designated wild and scenic rivers in the United States. Oregon is number one in wild and scenic rivers. So it's something for Oregon to be proud of. But that was all based on a Stuart Udall bill and plan. Oregon is also home to, to part of the Pacific Crest Trail, which is part of the National Scenic Trail System, which was also another Stuart Udall creation it includes Pacific Crest Trail, the Appalachian Trail, the Continental Divide, and now many, many others, but just a few when it was first established by Udall. So Udall really made it possible. Maybe his biggest legacy is what's called, and one that people have not heard of, is called the Land and Water Conservation Fund. This actually uses money from taxes on fossil fuels uh, development in federal land, offshore and so forth, and uses that money to fund environmental restoration and parks and green space and all of those things in thousands of cities throughout the United States. So, you, you know, if you have a trail along your river, if you have bike paths, if you have a river that's been cleaned up, if you have lakes that have been cleaned up that are now swimmable that weren't. Most of the money for that came from the Land and Water Conservation Fund, which was another Stuart Udall-based idea. You mentioned the Wild and Scenic Rivers Act, and that legislation back in, I guess it was the 1960s, passed out of the Senate unanimously. That kind of bipartisanship, I think people nowadays, in this day and age, would be really taken aback about, well, just about any legislation being passed unanimously, but especially environmental protections. Yeah, I mean, it is amazing. It, it did pass uh, unanimously in the Senate. It passed the House uh, with only seven negative votes in, in the House of Representatives. So that's how bipartisan the Wild and Scenic Rivers uh, bill was. We'll be talking some about that. that we're showing the film at uh, McMenamin's Kennedy School on April 24th. And with us will be Tim Palmer who was one of the people who was quite key in pushing that legislation and spent a lot of time with Stuart Udall talking about that later. Tim has written books and done tremendous photographs about the wild and scenic river system. He lives down in Port Orford, Oregon, but he'll be up in Portland for this. And I don't think anybody knows more about wild and scenic rivers than Tim. This is a fascinating family, the Udalls. They are from the Southwest and became Democrats during the New Deal when uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was making all these rural initiatives to help out folks who were down on their luck. Uh, the uh, the Dust Bowl had hit, uh, unemployment was high. And this this family, this, this large Mormon family, became this bastion of progressive thought and progressive legislation. That's right. Uh, Stewart's family were originally Mormon Republicans. Uh, his father became a Democrat during the New Deal. He was a rancher and later a lawyer and later the Chief Justice of the Arizona Supreme Court, a very progressive Chief Justice. But uh, they saw what government could do. And uh, Levi Udall, Stewart's father, always encouraged his kids to go into public service and that they should believe that government is the way we, we Americans come together and make progress. And we work with people in a friendly way in a in a, a way that does not assume that the other guy's a bad guy but just says you know or the other woman whoever but but that uh, you know we have a disagreement let's try to find some way to work through this 
and come to the best result for the American people. That was part of Stuart's upbringing. And I think it's true for the for his kids, his grandkids. I mean, I, I think it runs through the entire Udall family. You're listening to Words and Pictures. I'm your host, S.W. Conser. And today we're talking with John DeGraff, author, director, and producer, whose work includes Affluenza, The Motherhood Manifesto, and Stuart Udall, The Politics of Beauty. I should mention, John, that you have an environmental filmmaking award named in your honor uh, that's presented each year at the Wild and Scenic Film Festival in California. Yeah, that was the one uh, one I wasn't expecting. They called me one day and said, we want to name this award after you. And I sort of said, well, I'm not dead yet. You know, what is this all about? I said, no, no, it's for real. We want to do this. And, and uh, so it's wonderful. It's a great festival. I'm honored to be connected with that festival. I try to make it down there every year if I can. Uh, and our, our film... It was just in the festival in February, our new Udall film. So, uh, yeah, it's a great honor to me to have an award, the John DeGraff Environmental Filmmaking Award, named after me. Not something I expected when I started my career. I made about 45 uh, films over the over the years, over about 45 years. So roughly one a year, although it's less uh, more recently, but. Yeah, and they've been about a lot of topics, including labor history, including the internment of Japanese Americans in the Second World War, world hunger, uh, fair trade, you name it, the kind of issues that grabbed me, overwork in America, and so forth. So, you know, I've been blessed to have a, a not lucrative, but certainly a rewarding and interesting career that's allowed me to meet wonderful people all around the world. And we mentioned the Motherhood Manifesto. Tell us just a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I was actually hired to make that film. I was very glad that I was. I worked with a woman named Laura Pacheco on that film. Uh, it's the story of why working mothers in America have, get such a raw deal in comparison to mothers in places like Europe and European countries and so forth. Uh, what a shame it is that our country has no legalized paid uh, maternity leave, family leave, sick leave, vacation time, a decent minimum wage. I mean, Oregon and Washington nowadays have a decent minimum wage, but national minimum wage is still seven twenty-five an hour, if you can believe that. I mean, it's insane. So this was looking at policies that would help working mothers, understanding that uh, this is not the old days where, where women just stay home with the kids and guys go to work. Uh, both parents ought to have the right to work, to have a job, and ought to have a right to spend some time with their kids and, and have other things. So this was a film that advocated for those things. It was shown at the United States Senate in 2006 uh, and introduced there by Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and Edward Kennedy. So that was a pretty exciting thing for me. Unfortunately, at that time, it didn't influence any legislation, but I think we're going to get some of that stuff now. We're starting to see interest in paid family leave and all those things. So fingers crossed. Well, one way in which you stand out is your access. The number of really important people that were happy to be a part of the documentary, Stuart Udall, The Politics of Beauty, including the current Secretary of the Interior, Deb Holland. 
Yes, uh, yes, the first Native American Secretary of the Interior, and we were very honored to have her participate. We actually interviewed her when she was still a congresswoman. She was one of the first people we interviewed for the film, but uh, we were really glad. So we had an event at the Department of the Interior in January on Stuart, what would have been Stuart Udall's 103rd birthday. We had a big event at the Department of the Interior with about 300 people in the theater there, including former senators and Congress people, mayors of D.C., and secretaries of interior park directors and so forth. And uh, Deb Holland uh, introduced the film, introduced me at that event. And uh, we were really, really honored by that. You know, I, I think she's doing a, doing a very good job. And uh, I just, uh, you know, when can't be too uh, optimistic these days with some of what's going on in Congress and with the attempts to strip away freedoms of people, but also uh, not to take seriously the biggest crisis we've ever seen, I think, ultimately, which is the climate, the climate crisis. To, to ignore this as we have ignored it is beyond belief. Uh, Stuart Udall was the first political figure, not the first, but there were scientists who warned before Udall, but Stuart was the first political figure who actually came out and said, the climate change is gonna get us. You know, Global warming is gonna get us if we don't start reducing our use of fossil fuels. He said this back in 1966, 67, in a book in 68 and so forth. So we've known about this from Stuart's time at least, which is, 60 years ago, almost 60 years ago, uh, Stuart was warning about this. It's time to take some of these things seriously. Yes, you actually call Stuart Udall a prophet in the film. And there is a real religious, spiritual kind of thread running through the film. There's the moment where Udall is torn about these dam projects that are being proposed on the Colorado River. And his answer is to go down and listen to the river, to take a multi-day camping and boating trip. Yeah, well, and it's, it's, it's interesting because nowadays people can't, when I talk to people, they cannot imagine that in 1965, 66, people wanted to build two dams that would have flooded the Grand Canyon. Everybody was for this. Certainly every Arizona politician had to be for it because it was about bringing water to the Arizona desert. Stuart Udall was an Arizona politician. He was faced with this very difficult, and he had to make the decision about whether these dams would be built or wouldn't because he was in charge of the park services as the Secretary of the Interior. And Stuart was torn because he, he had hoped to be the next senator or governor of Arizona, and everybody thought he would be. But he knew that if he voted, if he stopped those dams, that was the end of his political career in Arizona. He also knew, on the other hand, that, you know, the Grand Canyon, I mean, really shouldn't. <laughs> and so he, he took this trip down the Grand Canyon with his kids and saw the beauty of it and saw what would have been lost if these dams were built. And at the end of it, he said, there will be no dams in the Grand Canyon. It ended his political career in Arizona. But. I can't imagine anybody in the country now saying, oh, it would have been a better thing if we'd built dams in the Grand Canyon. It's just almost unbelievable for anybody to think we would have planned to do that. But we almost did it. We'd already done blasting in the Grand Canyon uh, to start one of the two dams. <laughs> you know, Stuart had difficult struggles, and I, I want people to see this to realize that politics has a lot of... There's a lot of complications and a lot of decisions are not easy. You're listening to Words and Pictures. 
I'm your host, S.W. Conser, and we've been talking today with John DeGraff, author, filmmaker, and activist, whose work includes Affluenza, The Motherhood Manifesto, and Stuart Udall, The Politics of Beauty. Uh, John, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. It was a great interview. I'm, I I appreciate it. Hope to see you at the McMenamins event on April 24th. Yes. Uh, tell our listeners how to find out more information about that event. Yeah, the event is at the Kennedy School. Doors open at 6.30 on April 24th and Monday. The film will start at 7, followed by the panel, including myself, former Senator Gordon Smith, photographer and writer Tim Palmer, and Stewart's niece, Ann Udall. And uh, where can people look to find out more about your films, your books, and the Happiness Initiative? Uh, well, in different places, they can look to stewartudallfilm.org. That's our website. Or they can go to Bullfrog Films, Stuart Udall. If they Google Bullfrog Films, Stuart Udall, lots of stuff about the film will come up because Bullfrog is our distributor, environmental distributor. And in terms of the Happiness uh, Now Alliance, as it's called, they can go to the website, www.happycounts.org. H-A-P-P-Y-C-O-U-N-T-S, obviously play on words. Uh, but there they can take a 15-minute survey that will give them a sense of how satisfied they are with their lives compared to something like 100,000 people around the world who have taken the survey. So I'm no longer directly connected with that alliance, but uh, the woman I started the alliance with, Laura Musikansky, has been doing a wonderful job to maintain it and keep it running. Well, thanks again. And we'll be right back with Greg Hamilton. And now we're joined by documentarian and film archivist Greg Hamilton. He's here to tell us about a movie that covers local history. Well, it's uh, history now, maybe not so much when it first hit screens in 1978. Uh, welcome, Greg Hamilton. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Conch. Um, yeah, the film that we're talking about is Fast Break, which is a, a documentary that was made during the 1977 championship for the Trailblazers. And uh, it was a film that was made and released in 1978, and it kind of disappeared off of the face of the earth and then was resurrected not too long ago and has been showing in, in theaters. And I'm going to be showing it over at the Clinton Street Theater on uh, April 16th at seven o'clock. And um, it's just an incredible documentary that has a, a lot of local resonance, especially with the sports community. And it, uh, it tells a story of a team, not only on the court, but off the court, that is uh, truly unique, I guess, in the realm of sports documentaries. Now, this film is not to be confused with the Gabe Kaplan basketball comedy, Fast Break. Nope, not at all. Completely different film. <laughs> right. Uh, well, let's play a clip from the documentary, Fast Break. Basketball is, is part of living, you know, and almost everything that works in basketball, you know, is, you know, has its same, uh, you know, counterparts in your regular life away from basketball. You know, the same tricks work and... <laughs> When you mess up, they call a foul on you. 
Boise Powers hands the ball into Cheney. Here we go. The inbound at Tatum. Back to Cheney to Jabari. You know it. Don't foul. They surround Jabari. There's the jumper. It's not going to go. Rebound. Batted back by the Lakers. And it rolls down the floor. And it's going to be Portland. So the horn is sounded. The game is over. Ramsey and Walton hug one another. It was defense, defense, defense. Jabari took the shot high in the air. He missed it. The game is over. The Blazers win it. Two in a row here in Los Angeles. My, oh, my. Uh, that was a clip from the documentary Fast Break. We heard legendary trailblazers center Bill Walton, followed by commentator Bill Shonley, who died just recently. So, yeah, Bill Walton is alive and well, and he's podcasting nowadays. Oh, yeah. No, he's very visible, and he's certainly active in uh, color commentary. And uh, it's always entertaining to listen to, to Bill talk about uh, what's going on. So, <laughs> well, the uh, the film Fast Break shows him being colorful some 45 years ago when uh, he's biking around the coast, he's uh, listening to music, he's sort of doing all this casual stuff that a lot of professional basketball stars they didn't have that kind of license, you know. Um, you're mm -hmm. so much in the public eye nowadays, yeah. No, um, the access that uh, director Don Zavin and his team had to the Trailblazers is really something that's unprecedented and you wouldn't have these days. I mean, they just got to follow different players around, you know, doing different things, going golfing, going swimming, just sitting and talking. You know, it was, uh, it was, it was a lot looser and the, the players were allowed to kind of speak more freely. I mean, the big thing in this film that probably is, uh, is talked about the most is this bicycle ride that goes up the Oregon coast. Uh, Bill Walton, is riding with uh, Larry Colton, who actually will be at the uh, the screening. Uh, he interviewed all of the players in the film. And uh, they're riding down the coast together, and it's just this kind of dialogue between the two of them as they kind of go back and forth up the coast. And it's really not about basketball at all, but it is something that is unique and uh, very personal in some ways. So um, anyway, yeah, yeah, Larry Colton is going to be here at the screening afterwards to talk about uh, his experience. One other thing is uh, that we are going to be celebrating the memory of radio icon Bill Shonley. We're going to take some time uh, after the Q&A for people to share any individual memories they might have of Sean's. It's just something we're going to, we're going to take notice of because he meant a, a lot to the Trailblazer community and to Portland. Yeah, Bill Shonley started out pretty much from the get-go with uh, the Trailblazers when the team first came to Portland in the early 70s. And it was it surprised he was everybody. Really, I mean, he was Bill Shonley was with the team for the majority of his career. I mean, he started off doing uh, other sports casting, but I mean, once he got in with the Trailblazers, he was so closely aligned with the organization and just really became a part. He became a part of the team, and uh, you know, lots of people would watch the the TV broadcast and turn the sound down, and they turn up the radio to listen to Shons do the color commentary. That's how much you know he connected with Portland and uh, and the fans here. And nobody expected this team, this crazy Portland team, to become the 1977 champions. You know, it was a real Cinderella team. You had Maurice Lucas. You had uh, you had Bill Walton. They were coached by Jack Ramsey. And it hasn't happened since. They went to the uh, the finals in 1992, and that was kind of the last of it. Yeah. No, I, you know, I mean, especially considering how things have been recently with the team and how it's not been... Um 
a winning season, so to speak. It's kind of fun to, I guess, take a break <laughs> from um, that and uh, and reflect upon the championship team and what that was to this city. It's a wonderful thing to, to, to watch if you're a sports fan, especially a Portland Trailblazers fan, to watch when they win it and everybody floods into the center of the court and they, you know, they're practically tearing Bill Walton's jersey off. It's just this, this crazy, crazy moment that I hope one day Portland gets to experience again. Uh, I'm not sure when that'll happen, but uh, until then, we've got fast break to, uh, to reflect on. And you have been a lifelong Trailblazers fan yourself? Yep, my uh, my grandfather uh, and my mom got me into basketball, watching basketball, and uh, it's ever since I was in college. So I've been been into it for for quite a while, and so has my family. All right, well, let's see. Let's give the listeners all the information about the event that's coming up. Yes, uh, so Fast Break will be screening over at the Clinton Street Theater in Southeast Portland. It's Sunday, April 16th at 7 p.m. Um, like I said, it's going to be a tribute to uh, to Bill Shonley, and we're going to have author, former pro athlete, Larry Colton, uh, come and do a little bit of Q&A afterwards. So it should be a great time, and I hope to see a lot of fans out for it. Well, you've been listening to Words and Pictures. I'm your host, S.W. Concer. And we've been talking today with documentarians John DeGraff and Greg Hamilton. Greg, thanks for joining us. Thank you. And thanks to all our listeners on the radio dial and on the web. You can find an archived version of this show later today at kboo.fm slash words and pictures. And be sure to follow us on social media at words and picture. Thank you.